Hello, everybody. Welcome to Renar Voice. This is episode six. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Robert Swatala, and with me as always, Jeff Mazzone. Jeff, how are you? Hey, Robert. How are you doing? Merry Christmas Good. and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. We are now into 2021. So um, do you have any any big New Year's like resolutions or anything like that? You gotta lose uh, try not to be a jerk in my marriage. I think that's my goal. <laughs> That's, that's a good one. And that's a revolving resolution, you know, like every year, if I can just kind of scratch a little bit more deeply into the layers of my own wretchedness, then I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, that, that that's a good one to, for both for, for both of you, really, for long-term peace and, and longevity. That's a very good resolution. I Listen, in a marriage, there are saints and saint makers, and I am definitely the saint maker in this marriage. Like, I'm, I'm married to the Jedi Master Yoda of holiness when it comes to wives, like, Okay. I got a Star Wars reference in there. We're not even two minutes in. Do you see that? I, well, hey, start the new year off right, I guess. You know? <laughs> Bro, I was at, um, we were shopping the other day and uh, we were in the toy section because I have two little girls and um, there was a, there was a little car and it had, it had Mario on it. Like, you know, Super Mario Brothers, like go-kart. And I, I sure. wanted to, I wanted to get that for you. And you didn't? No. You know, yesterday was my birthday. What? Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. It would have been perfect. You know, I had that on my calendar, too, and I forgot about that. That's all right. You're so humble. You didn't say anything yesterday. Well, you know, I'm getting old. That's really what it amounts to. Is that what that so, age and humility, like wisdom? Yeah, just it, just, it just comes together. Yeah. Yep. I can't so, wait till I'm as old as you. Maybe I'll be a little more humble. Get some of that. You know, I'll, 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 maybe I'll spread some of that to you. You're not even that so old. Were you, were you, <laughs> were you really in the toy store, uh, toy section for your, for your kids? I mean, wow, you really know me well. We've never even met. I know. I, I know. Well, <laughs> I can just tell. So, yeah. So th this is what happens. So Daniela, like, will go like to look for clothes for the kids and I get bored and it's usually better for our marriage if I'm just not involved. So I just, I just go to the toy section and just check yeah. out the Legos. And take the kids and... with you and play with kids. Well, you know, I do. I do. Yeah, sure. Of sure, course. Sure. I don't leave yeah, them yeah, there, okay. with, you know, <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> well, that's good. It's a good shopping trip if they come home with you. Right? Oh, do you think our listeners are still listening? Or do they tune uh, out? Well, we probably should get started. So, uh, first of all, again, Happy New Year. I'm excited. Um, you know, we just did a special episode uh with uh, that is live now as we speak, and I'm excited to get back to our regular scheduled program. And if you don't mind, could you go ahead and introduce our guest for today? Yeah, I'm really excited about today's guest, and I say that every time, but this time is special because um, our guest today I had for class uh, for counseling 510 counseling theories, and he's been so good to me, just really encouraging um, from from that class, and we've been able to see him in the faculty prayer meetings that we were having every month last month. So we're really happy today to have uh, Dr. Brad Imhoff. Did I, I didn't pronounce that correctly, did I? You did not, but that's okay. I said it, it doesn't matter. It's all right. We practiced it several times before we started. <laughs> Can you correct me, please? It is Imhoff. Imhoff, okay. I, I get it all different ways, so oh, it's really all right. Really sorry, I wrote that down too. Okay, Dr. Brad Imhoff is a licensed professional counselor in Ohio and works virtually for Liberty University, where he is an assistant professor of counseling in the online clinical mental health program and serves as the director of the addiction counseling program. 
He earned a PhD in counselor education supervision from Ohio University in 2015, and his research interests have focused primarily on social anxiety for the past several years. Having personally navigated social anxiety for virtually his entire life, Dr. Imhoff's passion is to help people better understand its impact in their own lives or the lives of their clients, as well as learn helpful ways to manage it. So thank you very much for being here. This is a great gift. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. And you know, the, the blurb that you sent to introduce you is, is great because we had Dr. Takis on a couple weeks ago and his had like seven syllable words in it. And we do these early in the morning and I just, I just stumbled and bumbled over that whole thing. And he was so good. He's like, afterward, after botching it, he said, wow, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> reading yours, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> My vocabulary is not strengthened to that point. So <laughs> it's simple by default. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> Dr. Amhoff, thank you for also being here, especially after having Jeff in class and him messing up your name. I mean, I, mm. I'm surprised you just didn't hang up right away. So yeah, thanks for hang, hanging yeah. with us. We, we appreciate it. It's a chance for redemption for him. There you there go. go. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, so real quick, just to get us going, could you give us just a little short introduction on, on really how you got into the counseling profession and the counseling education and supervision uh, within Liberty? Yeah, sure. Um, my interest in kind of mental health in general started in my undergrad. Um, I was a religion major, but took some psychology courses to kind of fulfill requirements and didn't realize it at the time, you know, when I started, but very quickly just fell in love with it. Um, I had struggled as an adolescent with anxiety and depression, and so much of what I was studying in these psychology courses just kind of, you know, made sense of those experiences. Um, and so I really fell in love with that. And then just from there kind of looked for, can't really do a lot with a religion undergrad degree. So it was kind of like, where do I want to go from here? Um, and I found locally close to where I live, a clinical counseling master's program within a seminary. And so it was kind of dovetailing uh, my Christian worldview with clinical mental health. Um, from there, decided that, uh, I decided that I, I thought the kind of teaching role was more of a calling to me than clinical work specifically like that. that my family is full of teachers and teaching has just always kind of appealed to me. So that kind of led me then into the PhD. Um, and again, I've, I did my PhD at Ohio University, but my master's degree, and then now here at Liberty, um, something I have kind of sought out is that ability to integrate a Christian worldview with my work. So it was just kind of a developing interest um, and, and pursuing that calling toward teaching that brought me specifically to a faculty role. And Dr. Imhoff, um, you know, like we said before, I had you for class uh, in 2019 for the Counseling Theories course, which is interesting because I I really took some risks in writing papers on just the movies that I selected. And and, and I remembered you had introduced yourself and in, in, in saying, you know, the existentialist uh, approach was one that you had used. And at that time, before that class, I'm like, there's no way I could ever use that approach with like the postmodern, you know, relativist secularism, phenomenological. And, and then uh, getting into the course and, and, and writing the, that paper using that, you were so helpful <laughs> with <Good>. that. Um, 
So that, that was a great experience because I was really nervous about that class. So it was a real blessing just, just to have you. But also while in that class, um, I, I subscribe to the Counseling Today online articles. So they always I always get them when they pop up. And in the middle of class with you, up comes this article featuring you. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Uh, of course, I read it. And, and it was actually uh, you sharing um, your own experiences with anxiety, social anxiety in particular. Um, and so you and I had corresponded about that. So we wanted to have you on today just to kind of ask you, um, you know, what can you tell us about being a professional and, um, you know, the awareness of one's own mental health needs or soft spots or trauma areas or weaknesses, how to manage those, what that looks like, uh, particularly outside of the routine self-care, which we learn about in our program, but we don't necessarily learn too much about, you know, the deeper mental health issues. So just, yeah, we'd love to hear what you have to share about that. Sure. Yeah. So when I was a student, the program I went through, they actually required that we be in counseling. Um, and there are some complications now with that. And, and even they don't require that anymore. Um, but at the time, it was kind of this sense of I'm fulfilling a requirement. Like I, I wasn't aware of any significant mental health issues. I was pretty well adjusted. Like things were going fine in life. Um, sitting with a counselor, though, it was amazing to me how despite not any significant diagnosable mental health issues at the time, I had plenty to talk about. You know, there was, there was plenty, of, plenty of things going on in life um, to discuss. And so the benefit that I saw of that was not only working through, you know, whatever was on my mind in a given week or whatever stressors had come up, but also seeing the counseling process play out in front of me. Um, so I think there are, you know, there are several benefits. One is that you do have the opportunity to work through past hurts, current issues, stressors, whatever they might be, but the opportunity to see counseling right before your eyes and be involved in that from the client role, I think is, is just really significant. Um, we work in a profession where, you know, it's tough to job shadow. The confidentiality of the profession just kind of um, negates the ability to job shadow. And so you might go through all of this training and not fully understand what counseling is until you're in your field experience. And that's near graduation. Um, so, so the opportunity to sit with a counselor and both work through, you know, your own stuff, so to speak, as well as see the counseling process play out in front of you, I think just holds a lot of value um, for counseling students. And, and graduate school is a stressful time of life, right? I mean, you have, you have this new, for a lot of people, it's kind of going back to school after potentially decades away from school. And so graduate school inevitably brings a lot of stress with it. And we know that stress kind of exacerbates or, or allows um, our mental health issues to kind of surface again. And so it seems like as a counseling graduate student, the perfect time to engage in counseling personally, even if we don't necessarily recognize what we might call significant concerns. So Dr. Amoff, 
I, I guess it was almost by accident, if you want to call it that, that you walked into counseling, that you that you did counseling was just because of the course requirement. Had you seen any signs or or anything that would have led you into your own counseling leading into that? Or was it almost just a a God's grace kind of of situation um, that, that that you were able to discover kind of some of this social anxiety that you were dealing with? That's a great question. Um, I think it was kind of a God's grace sort of thing because um, we were talking a bit beforehand. As an adolescent, I struggled with depression and, and never really, never really identified the anxiety at that point. Um, just always kind of framed it as depression and and had a really actually negative experience with counseling at that point. I had seen my family physician. He referred me. I went to see a psychologist and. I was young. I didn't know what the process was like, but it felt like I kind of poured out what was going on. And then he essentially told me, well, you're not depressed. You're just trying to find your way in the world. And, and my, I just remember this gut reaction of, you know, wanting to kill myself seems like depression to me. I don't know a lot about it. And so to have him say, you're not depressed just seemed very invalidating at the time. I never went back to see him had kind of a negative view of counseling, really. And so this, this really was kind of a God's grace sort of thing where I had this opportunity that perhaps I wouldn't have taken otherwise, where I had a really kind of corrective experience in counseling with a phenomenal counselor that, that just embodied all those skills that we learn about, uh, embodied, you know, the characteristics of Christ and, and to be a part of that after having historically had a negative experience um, was just really profound for me. So yeah, had I had I not been required, I don't know that I would have sought counseling at that point in my life, perhaps later on, but certainly not then. It, you know, just another follow-up to that um, before we move on, uh, you know, our program does not require um, students to go through counseling, and you've said yourself that that may not actually be feasible. I'm just curious, Doctor, your your thoughts about getting students into counseling, not only so that they can experience what it is to sit in the client's chair, but also to, similar to your experience, to bring to the surface issues and concerns that could real serve as impediments, both as a professional, but both personally as well. Yeah, as a faculty member, you know, if any opportunity that I have just on a more broad scale, like even as I'm introducing a course or especially an internship, it comes up just that idea of students seeking counseling themselves. I always advocate for it. Um, kind of that, again, that idea that even if you don't recognize anything significant, it's worth going to just kind of process what's going on in life. Um, and I, I think it's important that students, students, recognize hot spots, if you will, those those topics that come up perhaps in a class where it's like we recognize a strong internal reaction. And a lot of times for a lot of people that will be covering trauma related issues um, in whatever course it might be. And all of a sudden things are coming up that we thought we had really kind of um, managed, navigated, taken care of, if you will. And uh, and I think it's at those moments, especially when it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Where did this reaction come from? Um, 
I think those are really especially important opportunities to say, maybe this is a time to go to go talk to somebody and just kind of work through this again, perhaps now at a more advanced stage of life, better understanding, whatever it might be. Um, and if for no other reason, I think it's so important that we handle those kinds of triggers, if you will, while being a student, instead of having them come up for the very first time in session with a client, when a client tells a story that maybe relates so closely to ours that, whoa, hold on a minute, I need to take, you know, I as counselor need to pause and, and I'm struck by this. It's like, let's, let's try and take care of some of those things proactively um, rather than having them potentially interfere with the work we're doing with our clients. Yeah, I think there's so much power in that, you know, I, just from reading your bio, I know you're involved with, you know, addictions and the addiction counseling program, um, you know, and there's power in that voice. There's power in that coming coming out and 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 being able to, to speak the demon or speak the name or, or, you know, I am a recovering whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like that there's power in your story by being able to not just seek that help but also to say hey you through through the article even and even it sounds like in the classroom hey this is something i struggled with and i think it, it helps to personalize you and your experience and and it also i think you know again with going back to the addiction that the feeling of i'm not alone and and i i guess just that same concept how is a, can you advise students that may be feeling like I need to hold on to this because I, I'm alone. Whatever that struggle is, what you may have said hot spots, whatever that whatever that thing is. Because what I think I found in in dealing and talking with other students is a lot of times that hot spot is what has sprung them into the the desire to help. You know, and and it God's using our own hurts to help others. But first, we have to recognize that and and allow that process of healing and transformation to occur. So what would you encourage students to to do to really just cultivate that humility and self-awareness to be able to seek that help that that, that they may need and and learn what it is to sit in that that chair the other chair before they get started with this profession sure yeah there's a lot there um i think you know that that holding on to it to me especially even personally, just kind of leads to a captivity. You know, you, you get kind of bound up by that. Um, and yet there's a, there's a pressure as a student, you know, and I remember this pressure myself, I'm, I'm sure it still exists that, well, I can't let no, people know that I struggle because, you know, they'll think I'm unfit to do this. Like I have to have it all together. And, and that's just not, that's not true. Um, and And I think by going to counseling, seeking counseling ourselves, you know, we're not broadcasting to the world, here are all my issues. Um, We have the opportunity in a confidential one-on-one setting to let someone else in on what we're experiencing. And and I think there's comfort in that that kind of more intimate setting. but, but yeah, there's that, especially once you get into internship, you know, you feel that kind of imposter syndrome of, this this client I'm working with needs a counselor and I'm supposed to be that counselor. Like, when are they gonna find out? I don't know what I'm doing sort of thing. If I, you know, put on top of that, 
I'm struggling with my own mental health kinds of things. I'm seeing a counselor, like they're really, whoever they are, you know, administ- well, whoever, administration, whatever, um, they are going to find out, um, you know, and so, like you said, we kind of hold on to that. We hold it close. Um, but there's such great freedom in, in, like you said, putting a voice to what we're experiencing and, and naming that and working on that. Um, and, and you mentioned that, you know, in, in my own experience, taking that first step of vulnerability in a class, I remember teaching a treatment of mood and anxiety disorders and the class on social anxiety, which is, which is kind of my area that, that has been a challenge. I shared kind of what I had experienced, what that was like. Um, and the class responded so well to that, both from a, you know, just human experience sort of thing, but also we so much better understand this based on that firsthand experience. Um, and from that very first time, it just taught me that people appreciate vulnerability. You know, we we all try, we all walk around with kind of this facade of having it all together. Um, and when we kind of break that down and connect on a more human level of vulnerability, um, people relate to that. And so I think I would be doing my students um, the profession to the people I present to, uh, I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't connect to them on the level that I know I can connect on based on my personal experience. Um, and so, so that's kind of part of this whole journey of encouraging people to, to not hold on tight to those, to those issues, but to, you know, put a voice to them, express them, see someone about them and work through some of that. I love the imagery there, you, you know, use the words freedom and, and letting go. And, and I think for us as, as Christians too, there's just an integrative piece there. I mean, we read throughout the scriptures about the surrender and the trusting and the waiting. and the, But then in our own emotional lives, we can have this restless striving and this control and it's all motivated by fear. And so I, I just love the way that you speak about it um, really so encouragingly and, and peacefully and calmly. Um, you know, for me, just listening to you, it just, it, it's almost a prayer. <laughs> um, so it's really beautiful to, to hear your, you share and, and, and thank you for your vulnerability um, and, and your trust of, of us and, and the other students just to sit and, 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 and listen. Thank you for that. Sure. No, I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. Yeah, I, w- I would agree that it's, it's very humbling and, and, honorable for me to hear the vulnerability and especially from from a faculty a professor a doctor you know someone of your stature and and to to, to just hear that um it, it's it's beautiful really you know it's it's a refreshing thing and I, I think that also adds to the relatability you know by by you being vulnerable it allows others to to really feel safe and comfortable to be vulnerable and that's how it builds empathy that's what builds intimacy you know, so I, I appreciate that. And, and thank you for taking the time to, to just share that with us. It was a, a great experience. Absolutely. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think back to the very first time I did a professional presentation on social anxiety. Um, both I was co-presenting with a former student who also struggled with social anxiety. So we're kind of going into this thing like, what is this even going to look like? We have no idea. Um, I told her to expect probably 20 to 30 people in attendance based on the conference. 
And then they scheduled us for the ballroom of the conference. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but clearly they're anticipating a bigger crowd. Like apparently we have more people registered for this than I expected. Um, and this conference, it's a state conference, draws about 1,600 people. And we had about 400 come to this presentation about social anxiety. And so I asked right at the beginning, I was like, if you all are willing, raise your hand if you're here for professional reasons. And, you know, 100% of the hands went up. I said, again, if you're willing, not required, raise your hand if you're here because social anxiety is something you connect with on a personal level. And over 50% of the hands went up. And it was right then that I realized like people, people yearn for this. Like there's a, there's, there is a relatability piece here that, um, that, that connects with people. And I think, I think it has just been a continue that that was a motivator for continuing to be open about this because I know people struggle and to hear again, someone with a PhD say, you know what, I struggle too. Let's, let's, help each other with this um, has been just uh, it's just been a real blessing for me too. So I appreciate this opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to voice it in another, in another uh, medium. Whose idea was it for us to set a time limit on these episodes, Robert? I, really? I, I mean, I, I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I apologize. I know you guys were trying to wrap up. No, no, gosh, it's so hard. Story. I, gosh, I, I love it. You're such a gift. And, and just on a personal level, just to have this opportunity with you, you know, following the time I've had with you in class. This, this is really wonderful. Well, I so, appreciate it. I, thank I you really again. Do. Thank you for the invitation too. Yeah. That's a great story to close with. Again, once again, I, I, it's God's grace. You know, I think just that opportunity to share and, and others to see you're not alone. And that's Absolutely. a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, we are going to wrap up. Unfortunately, um, we do have a couple more episodes scheduled. Jeff, could you share, kind of give a teaser of what's coming up next for our listeners? Sure. So the second, because um, we're trying to do two episodes a month featuring uh, Liberty professors and other experts from the university, we're actually uh, bringing Dr. John Harrison, and I'm not sure if I pronounced his last name correctly, who graduated with a PhD uh, from Liberty uh, in the same cohort as our own dear Dr. Kirk, and uh, Dr. Mitakis, who we had on a, a couple weeks ago. So he's teaching at a state school in upstate New York, and he is the uh, president-elect of ACA New York, uh, which is fascinating. And uh, he's gonna come on and speak to us about networking, because students, uh, if you go on the discussion boards on Blackboard, the, the common thread is, how do I find a practicum site? <laughs> and Dr. Right. Harrison, um, his his 26 page CV is more important to me than the APA seven manual. If I need to know how to cite something, I just look at his CV because he's got everything yeah. on there. <laughs> uh, he's he's amazing. This guy is quite the story. Uh, a multi heritage uh, individual from Canada who immigrated to the United States to study and now has a state job in New York. Just really great stories. So we're excited to have him on. And then um, our next kind of special feature episode. Uh, we'll probably be in early February with a Dr. Julia Sadusky, who's a clinical psychologist uh, from Regent University, uh, who worked very closely with Dr. Mark Yarhouse, who we read in our ethics class. Uh, her book that she wrote with him, Emerging Gender Identities, just navigating um, gender issues as a, as a counselor who's a Christian and, and what that looks like. Uh, so we're really excited to have her on as well. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. Those are going to be two awesome episodes. 
we must have a really good booking agency, Jeff, that that's getting these these guests in. I don't I don't know. You, is that is that me? Am I the? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, everybody, stay tuned. Uh, if you don't want to miss those, make sure you subscribe to any of the podcast channels: Google, iTunes, Podbean, whatever you use. Subscribe, and that, that way you'll get notification of those new episodes coming on. So we appreciate everybody listening. Dr. Imhoff, thank you again for joining us. And again, thank you everybody for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks.